Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I write an automotive column for Bay Area News Group, which is the San Jose Mercury and the East Bay Times in Walnut Creek, California. And I have edited and published the website, theweeklydriver.com, since 2004. My guest today on the podcast, uh, episode number 227, by the way, is David Lloyd Glover. And I found out about David um, a while back. I got a press release for some information uh, from a wonderful automobile museum, uh, Newport, uh, Rhode Island. And we interviewed the gentleman last week who whose cars are in the museum, but we also got word about David and the things he has going on in the art world. Um, The automotive space is part of his internationally renowned career for 25 years or so or more. You're based in Beverly Hills, I believe, David. And just to let you know, on a side note, when I looked at your artwork, you had me with David, uh, with Jerry Garcia's portrait. So I'm an old grateful (laughs) deadhead. So as soon as I saw that photo, I knew that we would be uh, friends, if, even if we never meet, because I, I'm a, I'm a Jerry guy. So uh, welcome to our podcast. We're here today to talk about the automotive world and the artwork in the automotive world. So welcome to the Weekly Driver Podcast. Well, thanks for having me on, James. It's a pleasure. Sure. Um, I have interviewed a few artists over the years who are in, in the automotive world, and I'm just wondering, as a good launching point, um, people love cars because they go fast and they have performance and they make noise and um, they have a good feel to them when they drive them. Um, can you make some transition from people who love to own cars to people who love to own automotive art? Well, uh, people who love automotive art, of course, generally cannot afford the real thing. In yes. other words, uh, the car that I've created in the uh, as a piece of art, say it's a Cobra or a Ferrari or whatever, um, is certainly well out of anybody's grasp, especially these days. Yes. Um, I, I started uh, being a car nut back in the 1960s, and in those days, um, a decent sports car was actually very affordable. Yes. And I started collecting when I was very young, and... Uh, uh, got in with a, another collector friend of mine who happened to have a, a full auto shop, so that helped. And we would uh, buy sports cars inexpensively, and uh, it, which would include Mustangs or uh, Chevelles, you know, with uh, that's a Canadian term. Yes. But, uh, you know, cars that were performance muscle cars, um, pony cars, uh, sports cars, and. Uh, they were inexpensive in those days. They're not anymore. It's <laughs> unbelievable not. Uh, how much, say, a muscle car has uh, grown in its investment value and how much they're revered. I mean, you used to be able to buy them on you know, General Motors Acceptance Corporation for you know, $100 down and $100 a month and uh, expensive. Now the same... Camaro Z28, I think, are north of $100,000 for a decent one. You're right. Some of my friends, um, we spoke uh, before the podcast a little bit. I'm in my late 60s and you're in your early 70s, if you don't mind mm-hmm. saying that. But some of the cars I grew up with, friends, I'm not a mechanic, or 
didn't have a real early interest in, but some friends did, and they had Austin Healy's and MG's, and and those were fairly inexpensive back in the day too. Um, they sure were. The, I, I like those and TR sixes, TR four A's, things like that. Did you own quite a few? I did. Um, I started my very first car was an early vintage um, 1957 football window VW Beetle. Oh my gosh. My heart's and, skipping a beat. That's great. Yeah, it, it, it was a terrific car, but it wasn't quite the performance I was looking for. And I I, uh, I ended up selling that car to the local Porsche dealer um, because it was one of the rare ones. You, you know, the uh, a split window, rear window would have been even more rare, but yes. this was kind of the, the second version to come to North America. And I went from there to MGB GT, a brand new one, I think 1966. And, all, and I had everything. I had MGA, I had MGB Roadster, I had uh, XKE E-Type. Oh, uh, boy. I had Roadster, I had a Coupe, I had a Plus 2, uh, Lotus, I had uh, Elan, uh, Europa, uh, Europa John Player Special, um, numerous Alfa Romeos from Julia Super to Volace to uh, uh, Spy, uh, Fiat. 124s. Oh, good Lord. He had a lot of cars. <laughs> and, and that's only the beginning. You know, that went into the, the American cars. Yes. And you know, had an early uh, Pontiac Trans Am brand new, you know, with the uh, the big 454 cubic inch V8 and uh, a Hearst shifter. But, you know, tremendous amount of torque in that car. Sure. So I, and it goes on and on. I had so many. I, I'm not so much the car not now. Um, because even in California, I don't drive as much as I used to. No. And do you have a couple of cars, more than one card? No. Yes. Um, I, I have a, a high performance, uh, 2004 BMW. Great. 330 XI, mm-hmm. which, which has the, um, the, the five series engine in a three series uh, body. Yes. Yeah, with a six-speed uh, manual transmission, very, very powerful, very fast, and uh, kept it in very uh, good good condition. Uh, I don't drive it a lot, uh-huh. but when I do, it's it's a very uh, comfortable and exciting car to drive. Yeah, sure, I'm sure it is. The uh, as a quick aside here, I I uh, I'm in Northern California in Sacramento, and um, you know, go to LA a few times a year. And does anybody ever, I guess if you live there, you kind of sort of get used to the, the 405 and the, this and the, that and the 210. I mean, does it, does it ever get any easier at all? Or as, no. as do you avoid it as, as much as you can? Yes. I, I tend to stay off the freeways as much as I can. Yes. Yeah. Well, and well, mm-hmm. where well, I live, I don't have to get on the freeway. Pretty mm-hmm. much everything I I have is on surface streets, but um, now certainly if you, in the area I live, you know, Beverly Hills area, um, a 2004 BMW is like a, <laughs> a popper's car. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but even it's, better but, than some of those other people, I would say, you know. Yeah, the McLarens and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and uh, Rolls Royce and Bentleys uh, just abound. They're everywhere. Yes, I... I um... I've told the story before. I was at the Monterey Auto Week a few years ago, and 
I had an assignment to do something rather quickly so that the assignment was just to go find somebody early in the day at the Concours on the Avenue in, in Carmel. And I turned the corner and there were these two guys about my age, um, maybe at that time in their early 60s, and they were in their um, lawn chairs and Bermuda shorts and T-shirts with a hot cup of coffee and their baseball caps on. And they had a, um, a Nash Rambler. And uh, I, oh, yeah. I immediately made a beeline to those guys and had a fun interview. And they rated the story of that everybody has, you know, uh, the cars you just mentioned, McLarens and Ferraris and so forth. But they got about, he, the guy was a corporate lawyer, so he, I'm sure he did well in his world. Um, but he got a lot of attention because he drove his um, Nash Rambler um, American around. <laughs> so Well, that would be outstanding today. Yeah. Very few survived. Very few survived. So... Well, uh, transitioning into uh, mm-hmm. Newport, you you do a lot of in a lot of different areas of your artwork. But can yeah. you give me a, an overview of what you have going on in Newport? And um, you know, it just seems people people call that museum the Peterson Museum of the East Coast, and I've yet <laughs> I've yet to go there, but I understand it's a fantastic place. And 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 what do you have going on there? If you could give an, a good overview of your work there. Well, you did interview uh, Gunther Berman. Yes. Yes. And yes. Uh, Gunther called me one day out of the blue. You know, he was scouring the internet. And mm-hmm. I think he came across one of my Cobra paintings or whatever. And he got a hold of me. And, uh, you know, I didn't know who Gunther Berman was because he's back there in Rhode Island. And sure. I'm out here in Los Angeles. But Gunther said that he was opening a, a, a personal private museum, but open to the public. And, um, he said a, a big part of what he felt about uh, cars w- was the artistic side of things related to cars, automotive design, and how it changed over the uh, you know over the decades, and uh, the important role he felt that art and design played uh, in, in the automotive world. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to acquire some of my uh, existing art and. And also he commissioned me to do new art of pieces that he had just acquired or was about to acquire. Yes. And so that we could turn them into large format um, murals, which would be about 10 feet high by about uh, 18 to 20 feet wide. Yes. And they would be in support of the the different vehicles that he had owned um, or had bought and put into the pavilions. So... um, the ones that he picked, he already had cars for, and he he picked a number of uh, illustrations and paintings I already had, and then we did uh, special ones. We, we did a um, he, he bought the movie car from the Fast Five. It was a GT40. Yes, uh, that was part part of a. I don't, don't know if you saw the movie, but there was a hijack scene where they steal it out of a, a rolling uh, freighter, a uh, freight car. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And drove it off into the desert. Well, he bought that car My goodness, yes. in, in his museum. And I did a uh, an illustration of that very car down to every little detail. And then we added the, the three main characters from that particular movie, uh, you know, headshots in there and combined it into a, a large mural. He, he also bought recently a, a 289 competition Cobra, AC Cobra. So that would be a 1964. And he, he, he bought a particular car that he wanted. And it, high, it was a winner, you know, race car winner, SCCA winner. Sure. 
And um, the, the story goes that the owner uh, at the time, Tom Payne was his name, uh, arrived at the, uh, I think it was Mossport. Yeah, Mossport in Canada. And he arrived late just as they were about to start the race. And he raced in his business suit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was in the insurance business. And he had a, a regular business suit, shirt and tie. He just put a helmet on and some gloves, and and he won the race. <laughs> I got to love that. Cobra 289. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, that became Gentleman Tom's car. So I, I did a another large illustration of that. I also did a Mark Donahue um, uh, commission piece. Uh, with his uh, his racing uh, Trans Am uh, Z you know Z28, mm-hmm. and uh, and also his racing Sunoco uh, Porsche. I guess it was the 917. Uh, it was the open Can Am car. Probably I think the fastest. I think that's the fastest race car in the world still. My goodness. This day, so I mean, a twelve hundred horse bar. <laughs> yeah, weighed, weighed about a thousand pounds. You know. It's, yeah, that's a that sounds a little dangerous. That's for sure. Yeah. But he he de- definitely he's got quite a museum out there. I yes. mean, he owns every car that's in there. That's, I mean, it's not as it's not as extensive a collection as say the Peterson, but the building itself is much larger. And yeah, and I like the idea room. as he explained with no velvet ropes. You know, and it's a uh, it's a uh, not yeah, it's a different experience. You, experience. You, know, you can really interact with the vehicles. Yes, he sounds like uh, like you. He sounds, you know, he's very passionate about what he has and what he does. And yes. and um, so I, one of these days, I've never been to Newport, but it sounds like I mean, for a variety of reasons, to go to Rhode Island would be a, a good road trip in the spring or the fall, I guess. Before the, it include, would be, yeah. You know, and, uh, he probably told you already that uh, Jay Leno is a, a regular at his museum. Yes. <laughs> what a nice thing! How um, fortuitous in that case. I I've been to Jay Leno's garage and I did a four-hour tour of his collection. My goodness! And and you know the Jay's is um, private. You know, it's yes. not open to the public, so you have to come by invitation only. Yeah, I haven't had that experience, but I know that there's a, a Honda museum. Uh, it might be in Thousand Oaks. Yes, and um, I've been there for. A couple of lunches luncheons or gatherings one was for a professional cycling team one was for a luncheon and i wish they would make that more accessible i know it's also private but i got it's not the same as you know jay leno's place or anything but to see one of every honda motorcycle and car made is a pretty is a pretty fun day it's it's amazing isn't it what's out there people don't even know that it's out there that's right i wish they would have some exceptions to their privacy rule it'd be people should see that museum yeah, there's another one which I read about that's up in the uh, Portland area, the, the Brothers Museum. Mm-mm, I don't know that. It's not a museum. They just call it the Brothers Collection. I see. And they won't even say who the brothers are, <laughs> and they won't say where the location is. But I, uh, a journalist got in there and took a bunch of photographs, and it was that's quite an amazing collection. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Gunther's where you can walk around a car you yes. know, literally interact with it. Yeah, it, they're just cars stacked up. It's it's amazing how yeah. many vehicles they've got in their warehouse. There's a uh, location, I'm, you probably know more about it than I do. We had on an author uh, maybe almost a year ago now, and I think he had a coffee table-sized book. He 
the the words were written by one person and the, and the imagery was by the photographer of course and i think it was called junkyard and it was this man who in southern california very eclectic and he passed away and his i mean there were maserati stacked on top of ferraris and lambos on top of bentley's and yep. the, the sons took it over and allowed certain people in there and the some of the patina on the car for and visually, it was gorgeous, and I, I you probably know more about it than I do, but that would be fun to go see that as well. Yeah, it's, it's uh, being uh, unearthing, uh, you, you know, ancient Egyptian artifacts. <laughs> Very <laughs> well said. Like Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Also, in the automotive uh, art world, um, whether it's been in Los Angeles or at Monterey Auto Week or other um, car shows around the world, do you find yourself... Um, do you have exhibits of auto, automotive work in those areas as well? You, no, uh, no. Pardon me for not, not knowing. Actually, you know, my automotive work uh, was most active in early 1970 when I was a uh, freelance illustrator. I'd been a newspaper editorial illustrator for a number of years, and uh, I started doing work for automotive magazines. Yes, and Road and Track, if you remember that publication, I don't. I don't even know if it's still out there, but I did illustrations for them in 1971, 72. Mm-hmm. Um, just of my favorite, you know. I, I did my own illustrations. It sure, wasn't, it, it wasn't for an article. It was uh, they would use them as spot fillers, empty pages. They would drop something in they liked, and uh, that was kind of fun. But I realized that even back then, that there was no money in the automotive side of art. And my uh, my automotive art was really done out of just my own passion, just my own interest. Uh, Mainly what I've been doing over the years is uh, either landscapes or, as you noticed, there's a Jerry Garcia. I've done many of the the pop culture artwork that that does have a very active market. I'm sure you noticed... um, it was it was kind of the final story, if you will, on most of the NBC and then other networks. They always close with some sort of lighthearted or or unusual story. So last night was the Andy Warhol Marilyn Monroe sell. It was what what one hundred and seventy five million was it that sold? A little higher. I think it was one ninety five. One ninety five. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, pretty crazy. It's crazy <laughs> stuff. Uh, whether you're an Andy Warhol fan or not, um, it's just a tremendous amount, <laughs> tremendous amount of money. Um, well, the the uh, other thing about automotive art that that's always a curiosity. I'm, I'm my wife is was an educator for many years, and she's a sculpt artist and primarily in sculpture. But the reaction people have to art um, when people commission something. You've been at the art world for a long time and you know i'm i'm a rank and file daily journalist and people react to articles like they react to art um through the years has your thought process or reaction to how people are reacting changed because people sometimes react very exuberantly or they just say oh or you're not quite sure or do you even care anymore uh no people are very emotional about artwork those who enjoy it it strikes them at a, at a level that's uh, very visceral. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not, um, one thing you learn about art is there's not a lot of intellectual 
stimulation going on there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really the dilettantes. Most people collect art because they it, it speaks to them at an emotional level. Mm -hmm. You know, it's either nostalgic or romantic or um, exciting or calming. Uh, many cases, calming and. So that, that's the kind of response I get from people who, who buy is that they that they find something in that art that speaks just to them. Mm -hmm. do, you pref do you prefer commissions or do you prefer to create something and um, when it sells, it sells? Or is that too, too much of a simplistic question from a non-artist? <laughs> well, c commissions can be a, a little bit pr uh, troublesome. Yes. And that there's expectations on, on the part of the, the person who's commissioning it. Mm -hmm. But generally, I, I exceed their, their expectations. I, I kind of get a sense of what it is they're, they're hoping to, to achieve in their commission. And uh, I get a little bit more. In, in the case of um, Gunther, he, he's always amazed at the, the story I tell and the artwork that I do for him. Yes, I, 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 I just to reiterate, I, I look forward to, to seeing that. Um, is there something out there where let's just say you're driving somewhere when you do drive or you see something on television or a movie or what what is there an inspiration that um, would interest you um, in the automotive space to maybe, for example, going to a Formula One event or going to see a race car um, display? What what would what would be an inspiration to you to create some more automotive? artwork uh it, it's seeing something that uh, you know that speaks to the younger me and the younger me was just thrilled with cars like the avanti mm -hmm. you know r2 yes or the uh e-types have always gotten my my attention i've had three of them so oh you're right yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> love them wish i still had one yes i I got a book a while back, and it was called the, the Big Book of Little Cars. And um, obviously, I haven't owned any really vintage cars until, you know, except for when I had some of my dad's cars when I was a younger guy. But I'm not a mechanic; I really don't know how to work on them or anything. But I appreciate them, and some of the some of the little cars that were out there, um, uh, at, um, the uh, Kaiser Darren, for example, yeah. or um, what's the other one, the Nissan Figaro or Figaro. I'm not sure, quite sure how to say it. But yeah, some Figaro. of those, Figaro, some of those little cars like that were just such, they looked like, I don't know, top hats or they looked, they dirt derby hats, they rounded yeah, yeah, and the, the little, little gems. You yeah, know, little they, gems. So I, uh, since you're in the, in the creative world, what, what makes some of those cars? Is it the combination of just being tiny and efficient and mechanically wonderful? Or what is it about little cars that's just so pleasing? I can't put my finger on it. Well, it, they're uh, they're like grown ups' toys, you know. Yes, they're, you know they're still in that small ball dimension that they're almost in the toy category, which we all grew up and loved. That's a good point. Uh, yes, they're not big monsters, you know. Uh, you said, think of the Honda. Let's see, it was a Honda. I think it was S six hundred. Yes, is the number. And um, I drove one of those when it first came out, when it first came to North America, and it was quite a, a thrill to drive it even though it, it was really a motorcycle with mm -hmm. a car body on it you know it was chain chain driven yes. <laughs> you know, i don't know if you do that but yeah, no i didn't that's fascinating yeah yeah chain driven small engine that was 
uh, redlining at 10,000 RPM. Oh my so. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a tiny little sports car. It was like smaller than a Sprite. Yes. An Austin Healy Sprite. It was smaller. And, but it made all these wild noises. Like it sounded like a Formula One car because it's this engine screaming at 10,000 RPM. Yes. But when you put it in gear, you actually rose, rode up on the sprocket, on the drive sprocket. It was chain driven. And this little thing would scream down the road, you know, just doing the speed limit. It sounded like you were doing uh, 130 miles an hour. I wonder but if they, those are still... They were quite a car. And, of course, Honda went on to, to actually do something in, in the racing world. Yes. In Formula One, that was quite, was quite serious. I yeah. think they have one or two of those at that museum that we talked about earlier. That I think it's in South, maybe Thousand Oaks, maybe it's not Thousand Oaks, but those are pretty interesting to look at, those 600s, uh, the first one, yeah. Yeah, and they also had a little sedan, too, at that time. Gosh. Which they didn't import to, uh, I'm thinking Canada, so North America. Um, but, uh, and I mentioned the Sprite, the Austin Healey Bug Eye Sprite. Mm-hmm was a fun car. The MG Midget was a fun car. Yes. Are some of the, the men and women, I suppose, uh, if you've done other portraits, I hadn't had a chance to, to really study your portfolio on your website, but um, mm-hmm. what other what other dignitaries, if you will, or, or controversial figures or infamous or famous automotive infamous uh, folks? Fame. Well, in the automotive, of course, I've done a, a number of Carroll Shelby, yes. and Phil Hills, and Dan Gurney and you know that sort of thing. Uh, even some NASCAR guys, you know. Uh, but uh, in, in the pop culture world, please I've done portraits. Uh, you mentioned Jerry Garcia of Grateful Dead, and uh, one of the one of the big subjects that I do is uh, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Who, who would guess? But he, he's like. The, the big rock icon of the world. Sure, sure, yes. He, even uh, I sell more of his than I do of, say, an Eric Clapton, which I've done many portraits of. And mm-hmm. Some I've done on commission for record producers, record labels, and that sort of thing. But um, I, I I do them on my own. Like, I, I just think of who, who did I really admire back in, say, the early 60s or whatever. So I, I do... Uh, I do a study on them and try to capture uh, their sound. Yes. You know, in visually, in a visual color medium. That's... So if I do one of the uh, the Beach Boys, it'll have maybe a more of a blue, ocean blue kind of a uh, a feel to it. And then when I do, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix, it's just like wild uh, electric colors. Yes. And. Uh, but it, it seems normal. It, people don't look at the colors right away. They're looking at the actual person. And of sure. course, it's, it's just a wild cacophony of color, very rich color. And they, and they come to say, you know, I can hear his music in the painting. What a compliment that must be. That's great. Yeah, yeah it is. So uh, I, I've done so many. And jazz is another subject I've done a lot of. You know, the jazz legends, you know, uh, Charlie Parker, Duke Ellington, Oscar Peterson. Um, I grew up listening to all that. My dad was a, my father was a big jazz guy. So 
although I don't have any of the, the music, much of the music anymore with uh, getting hearing it on XM radio. I don't own any old, you know, albums or anything, but they, it yeah. was always playing in our house in the, in the East Bay, uh, East Bay area with, um, you know, reel to reel tapes and stuff like that. So <laughs> well, that's great. Back in the day. So I'm familiar with, boy, I think if you, if you asked a hundred people who Oscar Peterson is probably maybe three might know, um, in, in my circle of friends, but certainly, um, if you're into jazz, you know exactly who he is and what he represented. Yeah, those, names are, those are named great names. Um, what's on the horizon for you? I wanted to point out to people that pe- they can visit all of your very expensive, uh, portfolio on your name right it's it's your name uh dot com yeah well just go, just google the easiest way is google david lloyd glover yes and any place where they're featuring my artwork which is quite a few uh, pops up and you can go on a little voyage uh, through my catalogs of images and so you're going to see any anything from a, a garden in great britain you know to a seascape and in the pacific ocean um, it could be a, uh, autumn in Vermont and, and then it could be, uh, Jimi Hendrix <laughs> or John maybe, Bonham. Maybe uh, he's sitting in a garden up. in Vermont. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Or dire straits, Mark Knopfler or something like that. You know, there, there's something for everybody. I think that what you said earlier was, uh, was re- resonated with me when you, when someone pays you a compliment, like that you mentioned that they, you know, they can hear the sound of a car or they can see the performer's right. face when they've been to a concert and your work uh, represents that. Um, probably a good place to, to, to close. What a, what a nice honor. And, and I pass along a compliment when I was looking this morning and last night at your work, you know, knowing a little bit about art, um, just absorbing it as from my wife and not really being able to draw a stick man, but uh, learning her craft, um, watching her do her thing so I can very much appreciate what you do. Just even though I haven't seen any of your work in person, I look forward to that. And, and online, it's it's fantastic. So um, finishing up with the automotive space, is there anything out there that, um, or whether it's automotive or not, that you can share an, another project on the horizon that might be a good place to close? Well, uh, what I'm working on at the moment, I've just been starting some preliminary sketches of is a bit more of the Carol Shelby history. Um, I'm doing another piece where he's in his uh, birdcage Maserati when he was a driver. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And you remember he was a driver who wore uh, coveralls, <laughs> denim right. coveralls. Like he <laughs> was a right. real chicken farmer at those yeah. days. Yes. Um, and he drove that monster 450 Maserati racing car. and uh, he, he was very successful at it. So some early pre-Cobra days for Carol Shelby. Is that something that you're doing because of your interest, or is it a commission yeah, just, piece? Yeah, just my interest. But I know that out there it tells a story to people who who are admirers of the, the crazy tall Texan. Sure. His Cobra cars, but there was more to him. A lot of people didn't relate to him as a driver because... He, he was a driver really for a short term. That's right. And I, that, that recent, the recent movie, I think, rekindled some interest. And there was already, a, you know, you got to have passionate following already. But the more mainstream movie put him kind of back on the map or a bigger map, I guess. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, although uh, Carol was much a much bigger man <laughs> than uh, the actor who portrayed him. Yes, that's right. Oh, well, that, yeah. that's Hollywood. But, that's uh, Hollywood. They, they take, their, take their liberties. 
Well, yeah. David, um, thank you so much for the half hour. I learned a lot. Um, look forward to uh, maybe uh, LA Auto Show. Um, who, who knows? We could have a cup of coffee or lunch or something in November if, if you're around. That would be fantastic. I'm always around. That's true. That's true. You can go to the famous Roadhouse with me, uh, which I call my office, uh, Barney's Beanery. Well, I, I'm, I'm Route 66. Count count me in even more now. My my co-host and friend uh, Bruce and I, I think, have been, we've been to LA the last I don't know six or seven years. We look forward to November again, and um, maybe we'll give you a call if you're available. And it'd be nice to meet in person. So thank yeah. you, uh, David, for the time on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Appreciate it. If people go to if you're in the East Coast or you're taking a road trip, please go visit the Newport uh, Auto Museum, and uh, you'll see. All of David's work and, of course, the, the wonderful cars that Gunther uh, Berman has here. I can't wait to see both parts of the museum, your work and his cars. It's great. So thank you again, sir. Okay, James. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.